hello, 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 and welcome into episode number 89 of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name is Alex Reamer. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, indeed. It is Halloween weekend. I'm going to P-Town for Spooky Bear. Just a bunch of gay men get to play dress-up for 36 hours or so. It's a good time. Halloween is a holiday that I didn't really like when I was younger. You know, like any good... Any guy, you know, psh, Halloween, that's stupid. That's for the ladies. That's for the girls. They like to play dress up. We don't do that. And now that I'm in my gay adulthood, I'm like, yes, four costumes, please, for the weekend. So a, hol- a holiday that I've enjoyed more as I've grown up. Uh, so happy Halloween. Be safe out there. Have fun. Uh, yeah, and the next time we talk, it'll be November. So look at that. Time just time just flies, does it not? Uh, I want to send out another thanks to Martin Stark for coming on the show last week. He was the gay boxer from Australia who's starting the World Gay Boxing Championships. They will uh, take place in 2023 from Sydney. But his story, wow. I mean, this guy battled back from two induced comas, multiple life-threatening surgeries, and, like, my day collapses when my iPhone freezes. (laughs) So, really puts things in perspective. An incredible guy to speak with. I wrote a follow-up story about him on Outsports this week. So, if you didn't hear last week's show and you need some motivation heading into one of our darker months of the year, November, well, then uh, I'm talking about sunlight-wise. I hope and I'm sure it will be a bright November for all of you, but... Sunlight-wise, dark month, colder month. So if you need a little uplift and some motivation, uh, go back and listen to Martin Stark last week. That is uh, quite a guy. Quite a guy indeed. Uh, I am writing solo this week as we take you into Halloween weekend. Two big stories that I want to talk about. Unfortunately, uh, they're not all that positive, but they are very interesting and quite newsworthy. So let's start off with the Chicago Blackhawks sexual assault scandal. Uh, This got on our radar at OutSports this week because the John Doe came forward and identified himself. So a little backstory here. It's it's a huge story. Uh, The Chicago Blackhawks have been engulfed in a sexual assault scandal for some time. An unnamed player, John Doe, says the team's video coach, Brad Aldrich, assaulted him in 2010 during the team's Stanley Cup run. So these allegations have swirled for many years. Uh, finally, the law firm Jenner and Brock was investigated. Uh, was hired to investigate the episode. They released their investi- uh, their results on Tuesday, or their conclusions on Tuesday, I should say, in the form of a 107-page report. And they concluded that Blackhawks senior leaders did nothing when John Doe, the unnamed player, told them about Aldrich's assault and harassment. One day following Chicago Stanley Cup win, Aldrich also made sexual advances towards a male intern and physically grabbed him, the report says. So the Blackhawks and members of their upper management knew about this assault shortly after it had happened in May 2010, according to this report, and then did nothing about it and kept this video coach, Brad Aldrich, on the staff where he harassed again. He was even allowed a day with the Stanley Cup before leaving the team that summer because the HR department told him he could either resign or take part in an investigation, and he resigned with no stain on his record. And what happened? He assaulted again. He was accused of assaulting two men in 2013, and then in 2014, he was sentenced to nine months in a county jail for his sexual assault on a Michigan high school hockey player. Uh, He was also required to register as a sex offender. So there you go. 
Uh, so just a gruesome, horrible story. And this report shows the Blackhawks knew about it shortly after it had happened. They sent their mental coach, mental skills coach rather, to talk to John Doe. Ran it up the ladder. Everybody knew about it. The GM, former head coach Joel Quinneville, who resigned Thursday as coach of the Panthers. Just a disgusting, disgusting episode of systemic cover-up of sexual assault. So earlier this year, John Doe filed a lawsuit against the Blackhawks. And on Wednesday, he revealed himself. Kyle Beach, former defenseman, a top prospect who was the black ace for the Blackhawks during their 2010 Stanley Cup run. What that means is he was a prospect who traveled with the team, and if there was an injury, he would be the first guy to fill in. So he identified himself as John Doe, and he confirms the report's findings. He obviously cooperated with the report, and he had a revealing interview with TSN in Canada talking about just the damage that this incident did to him and the utter lack of support he found within the Blackhawks organization and from his own teammates as well. Quote, I do believe everyone in the locker room knew about it, Beach said, because the comments were made in the locker room. They were made on the ice. They were made around the arena with all different people of all different backgrounds, players, staff, media, in the presence. According to Beach's lawsuit, he was subjected to humiliating trash-talking by his teammates during scrimmages whenever coaches were present, and was repeatedly called gay slurs because they knew he was, well, because they knew about the allegations of the sexual assault. Um, Beach told investigators his teammate asked him if he missed his boyfriend Brad at training camp the following year. So, I mean, just think about this. Kyle Beach says he was sexually assaulted by the team's video coach, His teammates find out about the alleged incident, and instead of supporting him, they belittle him. They question his manhood. They call him names, gay slurs. Wow. This week, Blackhawks captain Jonathan Taze, who was 22, but on that cup team in 2010, says he wishes the team, quote, could have done something differently with Beach. Hmm, I don't know. Maybe not pelting him with anti-gay disses would have been a good place to start. So, where this really ties in for us at OutSports is we talk a lot about the pervasive culture of casual homophobia and how that keeps gay athletes, LGBTQ athletes in the closet. But this story involving Kyle Beach, a straight man, shows how those taunts can be weaponized against male survivors of sexual assault as they were to Beach. I mean, we know how common these gay slurs are in locker rooms. Our OutSports-sponsored survey of LGBTQ athletes out in sports shows the vast majority of athletes reported a positive or neutral experience with their teammates when they came out. But in that same survey... 69.3% did say they heard at least 1 in 10 teammates use homophobic language on a weekly basis on either their high school or college teams. So this stuff is so ingrained in sports culture. Last week, one of our co-founders, Jim Pazinski, wrote an interesting piece about Dodger slugger Cody Bellinger, 
who, after a game against the Giants, he said the opposing pitcher shoved it up their butts because he dominated them. He absolutely mowed them down. And Bellinger said, yeah, Logan Webb shoved it up our butts tonight. So that line in isolation is nothing more than a slapstick joke, and I'm not offended by it at all. But it does dig into the toxic notion that being on the receiving end of gay sex is some kind of weakness. So you go to Kyle Beach. His teammates were implicitly telling him the assault that he says he suffered was a commentary on his masculinity. You know, real men don't get taken advantage of, if you will. And sure enough, Beach says the Blackhawks mental skills coach told him it was his fault because he, quote, put himself in that situation. So language reflects culture. It's obvious the 2010 Blackhawks locker room was not a supportive or inclusive place. And we know that environment in sports is not an anomaly. So I applaud Kyle Beach for his incredible bravery. He's coming out now as John Doe, so other men in his position don't feel alone. But this shows you why it's so important to eradicate casual homophobia in that kind of language because it can be weaponized in really insidious ways, even beyond keeping LGBTQ athletes in the closet. So that's the first story I want to tackle today. The second, we haven't talked about this in a while, but it's still raging, the battle against trans athletes across the country. Texas passed a restrictive bill this week, HB25, trans student athlete restrictions, prohibiting out trans athletes from competing in sports in accordance to their gender identity. It's bigoted, it's petty, it's a move against the most vulnerable. I mean, it's not even a, an issue worth worrying about because it's so rare, transgender kids playing high school sports. But Texas passed the bill like many states have and are trying to do. And the point that R. Carly Webb brought up is sports should not let Texas off the hook. And, you know, it's always interesting, right? Because when sports leagues protest a political policy, like take Major League Baseball, for instance, and move the All-Star game out of Atlanta due to the voting rights measure, the restrictive voting rights measure that was passed in that state, uh, they do it and they get some Twitter applause, but more time passes and you realize it was just a pandering move. The World Series being held in Atlanta this weekend. Rob Manfred this week uh, defended the Braves' name, saying that Major League Baseball does not market itself on a national basis, while the World Series is being marketed on a national scale. Um, And so, yeah, so on one hand, they move the All-Star game because they're aghast at these restrictive voting measures in a state, but then they are defending the Braves' name because it plays better to the locals. So... Yeah, so it's very easy to get called on your hypocrisy. But this is a case where boycotting Texas, at least in the case of the NCAA, would really actually just be affirming what they say they stand for. Earlier this year, the NCAA issued a statement about these trans bans. Quote, our clear expectation as the association's top governing body is that all student athletes will be treated with dignity and respect 
we are committed to ensuring that NCAA championships are open for all who earn the right to compete in them. Okay, so now I have a situation in Texas, huge state, lots of NCAA championship events are held there. High school athletes in that state cannot compete in accordance to their gender identity. College athletes, there's this ban. So what are you going to do? Well, the Division I men's basketball tournament in 2022, the first and second rounds are slated to take place in Fort Worth and San Antonio. The 2023 men's and women's basketball final fours are slated to take place in Houston and Dallas. The 2025 men's final four is scheduled to take place in San Antonio. Well, if Texas is going to enforce this law, you don't get your final fours. You don't get your March Madness. Sorry, because you don't represent what the NCAA stands for. College football playoff, that's slated to take place in Houston in 2024. Nope, that has to go as well. So this is not a case where the NCAA, by boycotting Texas, would be inviting calls of hypocrisy. It actually would be just affirming what it says its values are. So that, of course, is a story to watch. Thank you all for listening. As always, if you have any show ideas, guest ideas, topic ideas, I do want to hear them. Hit me up on Twitter, at AlexReamer1 is my name. That again is at AlexReamer1. So long, everybody. Talk to you next Saturday.